BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. First of all, it's Lights come on, the freaks come out at night. So, you know, when they come on, it's time to shine. You're listening to the From the Pink Seats podcast, powered by the State of Louisville Network. We are continuing onward with our season preview series, where we take a look at six of Louisville football's top opponents for the upcoming 2021 season. The Cardinals' week eight opponent is Boston College. Louisville is welcoming the Eagles to Cardinal Stadium in hopes of avenging their 34-27 defeat up in Chestnut Hill last season. Now, joining me to discuss this and take a look at the matchup, I'm excited to welcome my good friend, A.J. Black, who covers Boston College for Sports Illustrated's B.C. Bolton. A.J., welcome to From the Pink Seas. How are you doing, man? Great. I'm glad to be back on, Matt. This is I had a lot of fun last time I was on. Now, before we get started into, into the football stuff, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, how's the, how's the kid? Oh, I know you're, uh, she's a month old now? Yeah, so I have two kids now. I've got a three, almost three-year-old and a, a six-week-old, and uh, it's rocking my world. Um, <laughs> um, the, the, the younger one is uh, my little girl, Delaney, and um, she is... Um, She's just getting into things, like not getting into things. She's starting to like be more aware of things. By mm-hmm. my three-year-old, he is hitting the toddler stage head first. I mean, like all sorts of all the things that you hear about, he's doing it right now. So the terrible twos are now the terrible twos and threes. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, just lots of <laughs> lots of beating up on daddy and places that he shouldn't be beaten up. And uh, oh, of course, hurts. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's funny the timing because my co-host Jacob Lane who couldn't uh, join me tonight because he's got a lot of work obligations with his day job. I mean, that's because that's what you do in sports. I mean, you have day jobs because we know how well it pays, but I digress. Uh, His little boy, Liam, his, I think his due date is, forgive me, Jacob, if I don't have it exactly right. I think it's August 2nd, which as of this recording is in just a few days. So he's about to have a kid number two because he's got a little girl, Ruby. So yeah, about to, about to have two kids just like you, my, my friend. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, right now the, 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 saving grace is that we send our oldest to daycare three days a week. So it's like <laughs> us and the baby. And honestly, Matt, like she's so little, she can't really do much other than eat and sleep. Right. And so I've, I watched like my dog. <laughs> I've binge watched so much TV. I haven't watched in years. Um, it was been, it's been great. We just finished Peaky Blinders and uh handmaid's tale i mean like we're just going through like everything that we haven't been able to watch because we can't go anywhere <laughs> that just reminds me of all the stuff that i need to get caught up on netflix but i'm just so in, caught up with work and whatnot i'm sure i'll get around to it but anyways let's talk football this isn't the uh the dads and daycare podcast yeah uh, before we before we get into this upcoming season i want to talk a little bit about last season obviously you welcome new head coach jeff halfley and things 
things go relatively well, all things considered. They go six and five. They decide to opt out of a bowl game because uh, half they decided to talk to the players about this one, which I can respect that. There was a kind of a odd situation with everyone last year. Uh, like I said earlier, they beat Louisville 34-27 back on November 28th, a game that was pretty back and forth. And then our good friend, the turnovers, uh, they uh, they made their ugly uh, – Ugly, rear their ugly head is what I'm trying to say because I'm trying to just purge turnovers from my head. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, how would you grade Boston College's first year under new head coach Jeff Affley? Oh, man. I mean, it, 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 I, I'm going to come across as a complete homer if I don't say it. I give it an A, <laughs> but I have to because what you, what Jeff Halfley did in one year is exactly what the program needed. And he's only six and five, and that's okay. But he he turned around a program that on, for the last 10 years has been, you know, just kind of treading water. You know, you had Steve Adazio and his ground and pound would be a dude, a nonsense that he was doing. Guys being dudes. So. Yeah, guys <laughs> being dudes and <laughs> an offense that was, you know, created in the 1930s. You know, run, 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 being big, powerful football, which was fine, but it, you know, it, it it worked Time, here in times are changing yeah times are changing and we and fans were dying for something new and so we, you know jeff halfley comes in he brings in frank signetti who's a quarterback whisperer and phil jacovic quarterback from notre dame and immediately the, the team could pass the football they can't run it anymore but they can throw and throw and throw and that feeling of like oh my goodness this this program's turning around and then he himself is the perfect face for Boston College, right? He's an engaging coach. He's likable. He's down to earth. He seems to really care about the program, the school, and the kids. Um, and so he he brings that, and then he brings in recruiting. The recruiting uh, kind of just leaps off the page for Boston College as they leaped up, I think, from 60-something in 2018 to – they're up to like 12 or 15 right now. Yeah, so Because it seems that every time I check Twitter, there's a new commit – for Boston college. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's running out of space. I mean, he's got so many kids that want to play for Boston college right now. I, I know from talking to some of the, the, their staff that they have to re- turn away kids that they normally would have taken. And I, that's all on him. And so I think all of that it, it combined with other than um, the UVA game, Virginia tech and parts of Notre Dame, uh, he was in every game. Like he, he kept it like they were a possession away from beating Clemson. They kept. I really thought you guys were going to beat Clemson. I was. I'm. I'm, I try and be as objective as I can with writing and whatnot. But I'll be honest and say I was kind of cheering for you guys to beat Clemson because you can only stand to watch them just beat up on the rest of the ACC for so long. Right. Right. And you know, BC had like a 21 point lead at one point in that game, and it looked like they were in control. But then DJ uh, Uyagalale just turned it on, and that defense cranked it up, and that was it. So real quick, is that how you actually pronounce his name? Because I've struggled to pronounce it. Um, if you go past, so if you go through some of my Locked On BC podcasts, I actually had someone email me to tell me to friggin' learn how to say his name right. Really? So I, I found the pronunciation guide so I didn't sound like a, a complete uh, caveman trying to, to botch his name up. It's Ui Agalale. Ui Agalale. <laughs> I'm sure I'll learn it eventually, but I swear I look at his last name and I I – can't help i know not to say it but i can't help but say ukulele i know yep. that's not it yep and oh i, I was doing help. that too I just, um but then you know what you do is you you get it once and then you just call him dj for the rest 
DJU. I mean, perfect yep. right there. Exactly. So, so kind of moving on a little bit, you've kind of briefly touched upon it, but what was some of the bigger differences, maybe not from Nexus Nova standpoint, because you've already talked about that a little bit, but what was some of the, some of the bigger differences between Jeff Halfley as a head coach and Steve Adazio as a head coach? Um, the way they connect with players. Um, so that that's the biggest piece for me right now. Like players connect. They like Jeff Halfley to me seems genuine. And if you start to read any of the, the columns and stuff coming out of Colorado you mean State, Steve Adazio was not. No, he was not. <laughs> this is breaking news. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you the 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 biggest like whoa, you just didn't expect it moment with Adazio and, and his relationship with players was when Andre Williams trashed him, and Andre Williams was their Heisman level candidate running back that yep. basically created Adazio as a head coach, and he came out and said he that Adazio treated him like crap. So you have all these players coming out saying Adazio is not a good guy. The players, do they just buy in on Halfley? He like you see him and they love him. They like that's the that's all I can say is like the, when you talk to the players, you can see that it's more than just a coach. It's like he means a lot to them, and I think that piece is exactly what Boston College football is about. It sounds cliche, kind of, but. You know, that's what they want. They want to build and develop, and that's what Halfley can do. Yeah, I mean, it, it is cliche to a fall, but at some point, some of those cliches actually work. I mean, right. You have to get these guys to buy in. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to make any sort of meaningful progress. Right, and, you know, he's shedding off – I mean, it, 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 the other piece that fans are worried about is like, oh, man, 16 transfers or something like that for Boston College this offseason. But you look at them, they're all odd Adazio guys. They're all guys that, you know, lost their spot. And, you know, I think Halfley himself, that was the piece too. Like, so Boston College, Boston College is requiring vaccinations of every player and staff member and student on campus. And Halfley had one guy that didn't want to do it. And mm -hmm. he didn't get into the reason why he talked to the media about this. He, and Halfley not only, like, he didn't make a big deal out of it. Not only did he like respect the kid and his decision, but he helped him find a new school to transfer to, to so that he could kind of, this kid could, you know, wh whatever reason he wanted, but he could find a new program. So that kind of tells you what kind of guy Halfley is. He's like, you know, this kid wants something. He's not going to stay at BC. He helped him find and sign with a new school. Yeah. Ever since Halfley has come onto campus, he's been someone that I, and incredibly sold on like buy stock on Halfley. Now he, he just comes across as a genuine guy and he seems like a great coach. I mean, it's only been one year. It's a small sample size. I know. I mean, you look at the win or loss six and five, I know, but I'm sure with that whole transition year coming from the Adasio years, that's going to take time. And I'm sure Halfley's going to probably get things going at some point, but now yeah. I want to kind of transition to. Okay. Oh, jump in with one last point about Halfley. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So you asked me a question and I, and it was a, it, I want to give you an X and O's example of why Halfley is different than Adazio. Cause I could, you mentioned something and I wanted to really kind of touch upon it. Go so for it. now Hal, like Adazio, his thing was, he just could not hold on to a lead. He just would fall apart. His system of power running just would fall apart. Now Halfley is aggressive. And I think that's the big piece in terms of X and O's. You looked at the Clemson game, right? BC mm -hmm. comes up, they come out and start punching them in the mouth. They go to, it was in the second quarter. It was third and like four at the 30 yard line. They could bring their kicker out who doesn't have much range, not a bad kicker, but what does Halfley do? He starts playing around with the kicker to do like uh, to try to get them to jump and they get Clemson to jump. So they, I they think move. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. They, uh, Tessator's kid, uh, the, the ESPN announcer, his That's kid, right. Yep. 
So he does that. He does these like very aggressive plays and onside kicks constantly trying to keep coach uh, the other team off guard. That's the kind of aggressiveness I think an X's and O's that Adazio never had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after watching Adazio play Boston college, after watching Boston college and Adazio face Louisville the last couple of years. Yeah. No, I can, I can firmly yeah. say that, but uh, let's kind of transition to some of the personnel. It seems like when Boston college and Louisville come to play in, at week eight, it's going to be a, a pretty decent uh, quarterback matchup. And uh, specifically with uh, the QB, Phil Jerkovich, I mean, Boston College's offense received a huge shot in the arm when his waiver got approved. I mean, he went on to complete 61% of his passes, tossed for almost 2,600 yards, 17 touchdowns, just five interceptions. Going into his redshirt junior year, what do you think is his ceiling now that he's had that year to kind of get used to the system? So you look at his stats from last year, and you and you did a good job of like listing what he did. Uh, Halfley, you know, preaches, and it, it's fair to think about that he did all of that transferring to a new school to a new offense in the pandemic year where he didn't even get to practice in the spring or he got like a week or two of practices and then he he's learning on the fly. So he, you know, he started off real slow and then he got more and more confidence as the year went on. Now he got hurt twice. That kind of impacted him again. He got hurt in the Louisville game, I believe. Um, Yep. And what you're going to see this year is I think Dracovic, his ceiling is going to continue to rise because he's going to become more, um, more assertive, more, his leadership is going to continue to grow his ability to read the offense. And, and he missed a bunch of plays last year. you know, when you watched it on the ACC network, I think it was like Mark Herzlig and a few other uh, announcers would always point out like, Oh, you know, Dracovic didn't see Hunter along the, the tight end wide open. I get this feeling that Dracovic is going to slow things down a little bit more in his brain and be able to see those and not miss those opportunities. Um, and that's going to old game slowing down cliche. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm, I'm like full of cliches today, man, but I think that's going to make a big impact for him. And I think that, um, I think that'll be a big, uh, you know, factor for him going into 2021. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, he's someone that I've got a lot of, I believe in a lot of, even before I even saw him play, just based on what I heard, what he did in Notre Dame, based off what I was hearing from you before the season got started. And it seems like over the course of play, yeah, there, there were some hiccups. I mean, Louisville was no stranger to hiccup, stranger to hiccups themselves, but it seems like uh, by the time these two guys play this, it, it should be a pretty good matchup, like pitting quarterbacks against each other. Cause I know, I know Malik Cunningham, he had a little bit of a, I don't want to, you know, I don't even want to call it a down year because the only thing down about it was just the turnovers. turnovers the yeah. offensive numbers were up, the, the yardage was up, touchdowns were up. It's just that with every, with every other facet of the team, it was the turnovers. That Louisville was so unlucky with turnovers. I, th- I think uh, David Hill had a stat that Louisville was the unluckiest team in FBS in terms of turnovers. And they were, I think, one and five or one and six and one score games. And that was basically completely flipped in 2019 when Louisville went eight and five and Satterfield won ACC coach of the year. So I think if Jerk, if Jerkovich and Boston Caution kind of clean things up in on their end and then Louisville can do the same, this could be a, a, a solid game, especially when you got a guy like Zay Flowers. He kind of emerged as Jerkovich's go to guy. He had 56 catches, almost 900 yards, nine touchdowns. He was voted a preseason all ACC. I want to uh, ask a little bit about him. What makes, because I haven't watched a ton of film on Flowers. I saw him in the uh, the Louisville game, but what makes him such a deadly receiver? He, you know, when you think of Boston College, you talk about the receivers or any anyone in Boston College, you don't think of speed. And 
when I talked to the coaches and when I've, I talked to some of the personnel people, they, they, they described Zay Flowers as the fastest guy that they've ever seen at Boston College. Um, but, you know, speed can only get you so far, right? You can right. be a burner, and if you can't catch or you can't get off the line, that's not going to do anything for you. Uh, but he added that arsenal last year. Um, he joked, and again, I'm going to keep bashing Adazio because that's kind of my thing. And I had a guy on Twitter tell me, you got to move on past him. I'm like, I don't really get into it, but when I can, I do. Um, Dave Flowers okay, I want to pause you right there. You've got to tell your st- the BC interruption Adazio story. Oh, I right. know you so told I'll it to share me, this because this is one of my favorite. You've so, got to share this one. Before I, I got to SI, I was part of BC Interruption, which is part of SB Nation. Um, I, the editorial standards there is a little less, I could get away with writing whatever the hell I wanted and I would write anything and I would, <laughs> I'd rip on Adazio constantly. I must've written Adazio needs to go probably three or four times. And I know Boston college reads my stuff. And so one day I got a message <laughs> from somebody, I forget who it was. And they said they were their friend is the ball boy at, at practice and Adazio apparently had read my article and was ranting during practice and calling me <laughs> this mother effer from BC interruption. What the <laughs> F blah, blah, blah. So yeah, he's not a big fan of me. And I, I, you know, I take my, my journalism a little bit down. I, I took the fandom fandom out of it a little right. bit more, but it still kind of hits me here and there. And I, I can't deny it. I'm a Boston college graduate. So uh, yeah, he's not a big fan of me, and uh, I'm not a big fan of him. <laughs> so so I take it you're not a Colorado State fan now. No. <laughs> um, I was surprised he even made it through last year. I mean, there was some really bad allegations. Did, yeah, I was about to say, didn't something come up with a player mistreat Racism and oh, um, the black – there was a whole bunch of things about, like, uh, him making racist comments and stuff like that. And it got, it came out and it was like a big explosion. And then it kind of with COVID kind of got swept under. Haven't heard anything since, but I know some players Jeez. came to his defense. Others didn't, you know, what it is, what it is. It is what it is. But anyways, let's get back to Zay Flowers. Well, I know we got yeah. off a little bit. of <laughs> I just had to ask about that. Yeah. yeah. Got me here. Might as well ask me. Right. Right. So Zay, Zay. Um, so as I say about Dazia, right. First press conference we had last summer, we're on zoom uh, and, uh, you know, we're talking about saying, like, what do you want? What do you see yourself doing this year? And he goes, I want to be actually used like a wide receiver, you know, before all I did was jet sweeps. And <laughs> he did. He, he and that was the piece that really popped for him was that all of a sudden you saw him out there. use speed. But he, as he says too, his ability to use his hands to get off the line of scrimmage, to move around, to cut his cutting is incredible. Um, and, and that piece and he's got good hands. David Hale ripped him for drops. And I think that's something he could, he would have been, he probably has to improve on, but I think that elite speed and his ability to get away and like his yards after carry after catches are, are tremendous because it's, and when you have him one-on-one, it's really hard to take him down. Yeah, it, it sounds a lot. I mean, what's his a physical build? Do you know off the top of your head? Is he like uh, one of those I think he's like five eleven? A... I think okay. he's five eleven, like one eighty. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Because I know Louisville's got a couple guys like that. Honestly, this this could be a track meet when Boston College and Louisville face. Because I yep. know Braden Smith, he he was kind of the slot. I don't even want to call him the slot guy because he he saw limited playing time in the second half of the season. He exploded in the first 
couple of games, especially in the uh, game against West Kentucky, I believe it was, where he had 100 yards in a single quarter. And then after that, he was seldom used. But he he's going to be elevated to the starting role with Tutu Atwell and Desmond Patrick going to lead. He's got a little bit of speed, not burner speed like Tutu had, but he's got it. Jordan Watkins, he doesn't have as much speed, but he's really bulked up, so he should be a bigger target. Uh, and another guy, Tyler Harrell, who the staff has raved about, raved about all season long. They And he's one of those guys – where it was kind of like how Javian Hawkins was a couple of years ago. He did next to nothing. And then the coaching staff raves on and on and on and on and on all, all off season. And we're just kind of looking for him a distance because we're not there every day. And we're like, well, what are these guys talking about? And then Javian Hawkins goes and sets the single season rushing record for a running back. And then becomes mm-hmm. first team all ACC rushes for the seven most yards and all of FPS. So, and then now the coaching staff is kind of doing something similar to Harrell. And I mean, Satterfield even said that, uh, he is the fastest player he's ever seen, both in his time as a head coach. I think they said that he had a hand time 40 somewhere between 419 and 423. Wow. Which yeah, I don't completely believe that because that's a little outrageous. But this this staff, from what we've seen so far, doesn't BS you a lot when it comes to that type of hyperbole, and they're more so straight shooter than not. So I'm I'm kind of excited to see both Zay Flowers, Tyler Harrell, Braden Smith just running up and down. Now, now let's, let's move on from the offensive skill guys to the 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 hog mollies, as David Gilman likes to call them. Now, mm-hmm. Boston College has, I think you could arguably say the best offensive line in the conference. They've got two preseason all ACC guys and guards, Zion Johnson, center Alex Lindstrom. But that being said, their rushing game was kind of eh. They only rushed for 101 uh yards a game, which is 118th in FBS is that more of an indictment of the the, st- the offensive style and philosophy that Jeff Halfley has or is there something deeper at play there so there's a few different reasons why that happened um first of all you know you went from a power running game to a team that, you know like when you when you think of uh Frank Signetti the running back that I always think of is Deion Lewis and Deion Lewis is like a scat back like real small kind of guy that's that's what he wants um, and you had guys like David Bailey, who's built like AJ Dillon. So like six, four, oh, 250. That, that name triggers me. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> watching what he did to Marlon character so, a few years back. Yep. Yeah. So Bailey was built like that and he, he couldn't pick up the new offense. Like he just wasn't a fit for it. He's now at Colorado state with Adazio, but you know, you had a couple guys like that, but on top of that, they they changed up the offensive um, scheme. So they went from, you know, the power push ahead uh, Adazio stuff to more zone blocking. And not on top of that, they move guys around. So Zion Johnson, who's all ACC guard, they had him at tackle last year because Tyler Vrabel was playing banged up and they wanted to kind of minimize his ability to get hurt more. So Zion was out of place. He played well, but he's, he's a guard. He's a guard. He right. should be a guard. He's going back to guard this year and they get the guys back in, in place. And I think all of that, again, you use it as a, as a, as a scapegoat for everything, but with COVID and all this practice issues, you have all this new scheme thrown at all these guys and, and limited practices to install it. So I think with another, with a full year where they were able to kind of manage all of that, they weeded out some of the uh, you know, they've got the running backs they want like Travis Levy, who was there last year. I don't know what he will be able to do, but they got Alex Sinkfield from West Virginia and they have a couple of freshmen that are more in the style, like smaller backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield and get you three or four yards, but with speed instead of power. I think that'll be what hope, what Halfley's hoping will fix that offense. 
So do you, th- so you think they're going to incorporate probably the rushing game a little bit more? Are they still going to, I mean, they're going to rely a lot on Phil Jerkovich, obviously. Yeah. But do you, do you think they're still going to go with primarily him more often than not? Like maybe 60, 40, 65, 35, somewhere in that. I think they're going to, they're trying to go more balanced. That's what, I mean, halfway okay. says it over and over again, but how much of that actually happens? Like if they're not doing it, he's going to say, screw it and go back to passing. They've done it year and year and year, but I think they'll run it. They'll also run it with Djokovic because they've said they want to get him the that you know when I talked to Brian Driscoll from Notre Dame Insider uh, and uh, Notre Dame from SI, he said that when Djokovic was in high school, the big thing he was able to do was run a lot of zone reads, and BC was started to kind of incorporate that when Djokovic got banged up. Um, but if he's healthy, I could see it. And halfway said he wants to see Djokovic run the ball more, so that could be kind of more of where they run it too, is giving the ball to Djokovic, letting him use it with his. Six four two fifty frame. Yeah, it sounds like Louisville's got a lot more offensive similarities than I realized because Satterfield likes to incorporate that zone learning scheme. Now you mentioned being balanced. Now <laughs> Louisville's a little bit more unbalanced because it seems like they like to run the ball every first down or every short yard, short not even short yardage situation, and whenever they can. That, that's something that Louisville is going to have to get cleaned up a little bit because not only were they a little bit too vanilla, but they were a little bit too predictable. So yep. I think that that was that played into a factor as to why the offense they put up the numbers that they did, but they got themselves behind the chains so many times that some of those big chunk plays, the defenses knew they were coming and they were able to counteract that. So we'll see if, if they can fix that because it, it sounds like both of these offenses are pretty similar. Just it seems like the personnel is just shaking up a little bit. Now, yep. enough about offense. Let's talk about the other side of the ball. De- defense needs to get their just due too. Now, just purely looking at the numbers, this, the defense seemed uh, average at best last season. It gave up 28.4 points. It gave up 416 yards, relatively balanced between passing and rushing yardage. Plus, you got uh, Boston College lost uh, linebackers, Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson's the NFL draft. Yep. So what has the defense been working on to improve of this offseason to kind of elevate themselves a little bit? And who are some names to watch on the defensive side of the ball now that those two guys are gone? Yeah, so that's a big question mark. I think the biggest question mark for BC heading into the the next season is the defense in general, but that linebacker position. Like, when you look at who they have at linebacker, it's a big question mark. Now, they have a transfer from Temple, Isaiah Graham Mobley, who is good and gives – I think he has a much more of a – skill set that what Halfley wants, which is a speedy linebacker can play downhill, not much of a thumper, um, but he gets hurt a lot. So I'm not sure what, you know, if he can stay healthy, that being said around him, I think are, are you know, there's a good secondary. I think the secondary is going to be the key for BC. They have a really good uh, pair of cornerbacks and Josh DeBerry and Brandon Sebastian, and they have four safeties uh, that can play. But what, what Halfley's going to do this year, he says over and over again that they played vanilla last year because of, of all the COVID stuff. They kind of had to keep it simple. He wants to make right. it more exotic this year, and I don't know what that's going to look like until I can get to a practice and tell you what it is. But the key to me when I look at that defense is a transfer they brought in. Jaden Lars would be from Florida State. He's a former five-star. He just did not click with Florida State, which seemed like a lot of guys last year didn't. Uh, He plays safety (laughs) slash linebacker, so he's going to be a hybrid, which is what Halfley wants because he's going to that 4-2-5 where they're going to have four down linemen, two linebackers, five safety. 
they're gonna put they're gonna they they need speed and Jaden Lars would be his speed and he can he can line up in the box he can line up in coverage he can move him all over the place and that I think is a big key because if they can put him in and make him disruptive they can do some he can do some other things that being said I still I the defensive ends right now unless one of these freshmen that they got which I I think are going to be the future unless they jump up early I'm still worried about that. I still don't know about that second linebacker if it's next to Graham Mobley. Um, so there's some, some worries there as well. And I, you know, he wants speed, speed, speed. And I think that's where this, this right. matchup with Louisville is, is really interesting because Louisville's speed and quarterbacks like Malik Cunningham, he, he torched them last year. I mean, the, the, the mistakes he made ended up killing the Cardinals, but if he can keep that, you know, at a minimum, that in, in BC's defense doesn't improve. That could be a major matchup issue for the Eagles. Right. Especially since a lot of the turnovers for Louisville last season, both on the offense and defense, a lot of it wasn't even directly at fault of the players that committed them. A lot of it was just purely luck. Like I said earlier, like yeah. I know some of the, of course there are times like when Malik Cunningham kind of holds the ball a little bit too long and ends up fumbling it when he should have just thrown it away. And same for when he tries to force it into a couple a window that maybe is a little bit too small or into a coverage that's not the greatest and ends up throwing a pick. But that those were um, I don't, those were kind of outliers almost because it seemed like there were a few turnovers that were p- more luck-based than anything. And defense right. too, because defense, they were getting in position to make plays. They just couldn't grab a hold of the ball and make the play. But, I mean, you could viewing glass half full, at least there, the, the coachable part is there is – succeeding because they're in position to make the play they just have to finish and I really do think that a lot of those pick them games for Louisville last year are going to get switched maybe not completely on its head but um, a little bit more favorable for Louisville and they I don't know if it's going to favor them in a matchup like Boston College because obviously they've Louisville's got question marks on themselves but it's going to it's certainly going to make the games a lot more competitive for both teams. Now, kind of sticking with the defense, who do you think is going to be their quote unquote X factor? I know that's a, another cliche, yep. but hey, it's it's a it's a good question. Now, I look at someone like a John Emma, correct me if I'm saying it wrong. John Muse. John, John Muse, he had three he had three picks. He was the only guy on the defense that had multiple picks and he's yep. back for another year. I I look at someone like him with the experience, with the talent he has. He's someone that I think Malik Cunningham and Louisville should be worrying about because he's got that leadership. Do you, am I kind of hitting on the right notes here? Oh yeah. I would have gone with one of the safeties. I, I would have even gone with between Muse or uh, Deion Jones. Deion Jones came in as a transfer last year. He got banged up twice, um, which has been kind of his MO too. I mean, again, I get yelled at by parent players, uh, play, parents, players about this. Look at it. Football's a violent game. Man. I'm not judging this kid, but he got banged up twice. And, but when he was there, he was the leader, one of the leaders on defense. And one, and as one of the uh, coaches told me, he's one of the best players that they have on defense. He stays healthy. He could be the X factor. I said, Jaden Lars would be before he definitely, I mean, they held him out of the spring game because they don't want to risk him getting hurt. Right. Um, he has all the potential in the world to be that. So he would be one, two for me. I would say one of those three safeties. So when you, when you look at this team as a whole offense, defense, special teams, coaching staff, what do you think is this program's biggest weakness heading into the 2021 season? Um, it has to be the defensive line, Our defensive line linebacker. It's going to, it's going to be one of those. Um, I am not sold in the defensive ends. Um, really? They, they, you know, Pete, pro football focus loves Marcus Valdez. 
I have not seen it consistently enough out of him. He has spurts where he can be kind of disruptive, but I mean, I believe last year the defensive line that's returning had like three, four, three or four sacks. That's, and that sounds kind of like Louisville. That, that's actually been one of their bugaboos the last couple of seasons is that they, they can't generate pressure. Yeah, they can't. And they just they can't get after the quarterback. They can in standard down situations like first and ten, second and seven, yep. third and three, yada yada. But the second it turns into a clear cut passing situation, the quarterback's got all the time in the world. Yeah, they it, BC's been the, they've been able to get pressure because I think that's what Halfley wants. They just can't close it. Like you would, you, and I, I'm sure it happened against Louisville, where they would get to Cunningham and you get an arm, and they'd never be able to take the guy down, and yeah. then they throw for 30 yards. Happened all the time. So I think it's the closing on and, and getting that pressure because they they scheme it so that they can do it. Just not they don't have the talent to get the guys down to the ground. And the guys that Max Roberts, who was the defensive end that they brought in from Maine last year, who was like, what, where did this guy come from? Had like seven sacks, but he's gone. He's not, he's on the LA Rams now. So I know there's a good, there's gotta be a lot of, let me rephrase that. There's going to be a lot of football played between when the season starts and when these two teams match up. I mean, it's week eight for crying out loud, but yep. what, what do you think is going to be one of the bigger storylines heading into that game? It's got to be the BC's offense. I, I, as we talked about before, I think Jakovic's going to take a huge step up. And BC has a huge array of uh, offensive arsenal. Um, any of your old, old school BC fans that are people that know Boston College, I think this offense could be as good as 2007 when BC was two in the country. I'm not saying that their team will be number two in the country, but that was when Matt Ryan was there. Right. Um, but Zay Flowers is better than any wide receiver they had in 2007. I was a stu- I was just out of grad school there at that point. Um, he's better. I think Jakovic could get up to where Ryan is, probably just a little bit below. That offensive line is going to be awesome. But Breaking they have news, other Jakovic is Ryan 2.0. You heard it here first. <laughs> I know he's Big Ben 2.0. Uh, I don't know. Big, I don't know. other than that piece yeah uh, i mean pittsburgh Steelers fans really want him to come in to replace Roethlisberger um because they're built and play the same way but they have trey barry a uh a, a tight end who was fcs all-american last year who had like 60 catches for uh jacksonville state um he was a fifth or sixth round graded tight end last year and he's coming back to play another year I've heard all the scouts I've talked to say he's, he could be incredible. So you have him, you have all these other wide receivers that they got Kobe white, who was their leading wide receiver in 2019. He's back. Now you have all this with that offense. They could put up a lot of points. Now, can the defense stop people? There's a big question, but I think it'll be talking a lot about Dracovic making some big plays and he's, you know, he's hard to tackle. He's, he makes good throws. And if he can take that next step with those guys around him, BC's offense could be putting up 35, 37 points a game or something like that. For Louisville, it's actually kind of the exact opposite. There's a lot of question marks on offense. Uh, Tutu Atwell went to the league. Desmond Patrick went to the league. Yep. Javion Hawkins yep. went to the lead. Literally your top three options on offense are gone. So now, I mean, you've got guys that are replacing them, but you're, you're not sure who's going to be able to quote unquote step up and be able to take the lion's share of those reps and turn into the quote unquote go-to guy on offense. Whereas on the defensive side, yeah, they, they lost a lot of guys, but of I think a majority of the guys that transferred out or went to the league or declared or yada, what, what have you, a lot of those guys were just pure attrition. It happens in football. Most of the guys with the exception of maybe, and maybe Anthony Johnson and Russ yeast, most of them went to group of five schools or F- FCS place, place like that. So what I'm trying to say is that the defense has some level of consistency. They've been building it for all three years that defense coordinator Brian Brown has been there. 
And the, uh, the secondary could contend for one of the better ones in the ACC. The real question mark, because the linebackers are good too, with uh, CJ Avery and Monty Montgomery, that's a really good li- middle linebacker deal. The real question mark is going to be on the D line, how those guys are going to step up there. So it's literally the exact opposite problem that Boston College has. BC's got a great offense, suspect defense. Louisville's got a great defense. Not really a suspect offense, but an offense filled with question mark. Now, I'll kind of end you with this final question. Who do you think, it's kind of a two-parter, who do you think needs this game more? And what is your way too early prediction? Who needs this game more? I'm going to say Louisville needs it more. I agree. Um, Because Boston College, you look at BC's schedule and you have Clemson. And then Missouri, who's probably going to be good, but we, it's Missouri. They could, you know, they could struggle as well. Um, and then a bunch of, you know, 50-50 games. And Halfley has shown over and over again that he can win those. He's got Syracuse on there. He's got Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, uh, Virginia Tech, who I'm selling hard on this year. You can write that down. I'm not buying I think Justin Fuente will be gone by the end of this year. Um, I could say that. Yeah, so I think BC will be in good shape. Now, you know, it, 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 is this where, you know, a game where BC, if they're doing really well, would this catapult them continuing up? Yeah, but do they really need it? Probably not. I think Louisville will need it. Yeah, I, I think Louisville definitely needs more. It, depending on what all shakes out before, I, like we said, there's seven weeks of football to be played up to that point with some scattering of bye weeks in there. But the fan base is kind of, half the fan base is kind of forgiven Scott Satterfield with the whole South Carolina fiasco that happened towards the end of last season. And some, and the other half is still, you better win or you're out. So mm-hmm. I think Louisville needs this a lot better. As far as, hell, it needs it a lot more of grammar. As far as the actual outcome, I want to say Louisville, but that's only because of home field advantage, because it seems like these teams, these two programs are relatively evenly matched up especially with uh, Louisville's got the question marks on offense. BC's got the question marks on defense. I think when the the real show is going to be when BC's offense is on and Louisville's defense on, that is when the the, the good football is going to play. Now what happens on the other side, whatever happens there, I think that would determine the game. But if, if I had to choose, I would probably say Louisville because of the home field advantage, like fans, they're only, I think 20 or 25% capacity last season. Fans are itching to get back in. And Cardinal Stadium in Louisville has one of the more underrated home uh, home court, not home court, I'm thinking basketball, home field advantages in the ACC. So I, I think that will play at least a little bit of a factor. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I think it's that home field advantage piece, I think it'll be interesting to see. And I, I look at, you know, the, the strengths there, right? You said that, you know, Louisville is going to be faster on offense and BC struggles. That could be a problem for the Eagles, and you know if B- if Louisville's defense can cause problems at Jakovic and hit him, you know you're talking a, you're talking a game where the Cardinals could be the favorites there, and and, and it all depends on how it shakes out tonight because every we've heard nothing but great things about the defense. I know a lot of it's coach speak; it happens every year, but I have reason to believe that the secondary is going to be as good as it as it was last year, if not better. The linebacking core is still really good, especially on the outside edges. What really is going to what I need to see is that I need to see the defensive line apply more pressure. And I think they will be able to do that solely because they have a little bit more depth. Cause I know 
the past couple seasons, they've had solid starting defensive uh, ends and a good nose tackle. But beyond that, they they've had to play their their guys like 70, 80, 90 snaps a game because the death was just not there. Now, whether or not that death translates into production remains to be seen. I mean, it's football. That's why they play the game. But we'll see. It sounds like it's going to be a great name. Great game. But before I let you go, AJ, I have one more question for you, actually. What, yep. what is your go to craft beer as of late? My go-to craft beer. So I have to say, I just had a big birthday and my wife got me. Congrats on the 4-0, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, I feel old. So I got two kids and I'm 40 now. (laughs) Um, But I got the most dad birthday present ever, but one that I really wanted, which I got my beer of the month club. So I get like 12 new beers every month. Hold on, that exists. Right? It's awesome. I get to pick them out too. It's not like I'm getting like, you know, sours and crap that I don't want to drink. I I can go on the website and be like, I want to try that and that and that and that. It's amazing. So I've gotten a whole slew of color there. It's all from Colorado too, which has great breweries. Have you ever been out there? Mm-hmm. Um, I was out there a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah. And you would know, like they have a like Avery, they have a whole bunch of great breweries out there. Uh, but if you're, if, if it's me, I'm going to say right now, anyone out there that it comes up to Boston, you have to check out Treehouse brewery. Uh, it's probably 20 minutes from my house, but it has some of the best, hazy ipas i've ever had they're juicy they're they're one called julius um is one of the best beers i've ever had um you can only have a few of them because they're pretty high in alcohol content but <laughs> they have amazing selections there um just just expect if you ever go to visit treehouse you're gonna be waiting a while because it, it's right. one of the best uh breweries in the country so that i'd say treehouse is one of the yeah I, ipas aren't really typically my thing because i in terms of the bitter taste it's yep. not usually my scene. I've I've kind of become more privy to them in recent years, but but I mean I'll give it a try. I'll try anything once. But anyways, this has been another great episode of From the Pink Seeds, breaking down the Louisville at Louisville not at Boston College at Louisville game week eight. AJ, plug yourself. Where can they find you? Yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so you can find me at bcbulletin.com. I'm telling you, if you want good Boston College content. If you want to know like good inside information, check it out. I don't give you the, uh, just as Matt was saying, coach speak, cause that bores the crap out of me. I'll give you the inside <laughs> information, what's really happening and give you my perspective. And I think that's why uh, I got a lot of Boston college fans there. I'm also the host of locked on Boston college. It's a daily Boston college podcast. I'm the only one that does a daily Boston college podcast. Cause I'm crazy. I talk about BC <laughs> all the time. I do that. Um, you can check that out. Locked on BC. And I have, uh, what else am I missing? Uh, check me out on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC or at B- B- Bulletin BC. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear more from uh, Louisville fans. Uh, let me hear what you had to say. Think about what I had to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When, the, when that game comes up, we'll have to reconvene and talk a little bit more and see if all of our talking points from this episode are even relevant anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, thanks again for joining us, AJ. We'll talk to you then. Thanks, Matt. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.